Welcome everyone to Creating a Family, talk about adoption and foster care. I'm Dawn Davenport, both the host of the show as well as the director of creatingafamily.org. Today, we're going to be talking about child hosting programs. Specifically, we're going to be talking about getting prepared to be a host family. We will be talking with Kathy Holliday. She has worked in international adoption for 25 years, and she supervises the child hosting program for Children's House International. Welcome, Kathy, to Creating a Family. Thanks, Don. Nice to be here. All right. So what is the purpose of child hosting programs? Uh, and first of all, I guess, tell us what they are, uh, and then tell us why we're why we are doing them. Well, a hosting program, uh, and there are several countries that, that offer this. It's number one, it's a way to give a child the opportunity to experience life in the U.S. and with the family. And that's, you know, depending on the country, the child may or may not be adoptable. Some countries really emphasize adoption, uh, and that, you know, like Colombia, Ukraine, where not all children that come for hosting programs are available for adoption, and that's not the case. So it does depend on the country. Gotcha. Okay, excellent. So do you, as a host family, do you have to commit or at least plan or being open to the idea of adoption before you bring a child open? Or or can you just be willing to say, I'm willing to have this child experience a family life, experience life in the U.S., but I don't, my plan is not to adopt this child. Well, again, it does depend on the program. Uh, now, I know with Ukraine, there are a lot of families that host children every year, and they they don't really have any plans to adopt them. And, uh, you know, the children may or may not be adoptable, but the ones they are, they advocate for, and, you know, and they, they do end up finding families for them. So that's, uh, you know, that's one thing. Now, with Colombia, they the country really does want you to be open to adopting that child. However, realizing that if the child isn't a good match for your family, that you will, you know, if you see that, you know, while they're there, that you will try and advocate with other families, with your church groups or, you know, what other means that you have, you know, the goal is, is finding the child a a family. Okay. And, And when you say advocate, what you mean is advocate to find a family for that child, right? Right, exactly. So how long are the children usually in the U.S., in the host family, and in, in, if they're participating in a child hosting program? Well, it does depend on the program, but it usually it's between three and four weeks or five to seven weeks. Summer programs are usually the longer programs, the five to seven weeks, mainly because there's just more time and, and more to do. And the the hosting program in the winter, which is generally over the holidays, is a shorter time. Okay. So how much does it cost or does it cost the host family to participate in a hosting program? It does cost. Almost all agencies that that have hosting programs go through an intermediary hosting group. There are several out there. And and they make all the arrangements for the children to come and the transportation and and uh, organizing everything and and they do charge they do charge a fee for that and it's generally between twenty five hundred and three thousand dollars and the great majority of that is is the transportation costs of getting the children you know to into the homes and back again to their country and they have to get the kids passports and because most of these children don't That's have correct. them so there's all yes, of that yes, there's that goes a lot involved well. there's visa medicals there's yes there's a lot of involved. And, you know, that takes a lot of staff to do as well in the country and out. Sure. 
Okay. What type of training is is usually required for host families to prepare for a child coming in? Some countries don't really require any, which is probably not a good idea. Uh, Columbia does require the 10 hours of, of the Hague courses. And, you know, we recommend that all the families take them. They're just, you know, valuable information. And of course, we always send them to creating a family. <laughs> to our Hague package, right. <laughs> okay, excellent. Yes. What age children are available for hosting? Um, the youngest single child is probably going to be about nine. However, most of the children are more between 10 and 14 to 15. Now, there are sibling groups that are available. And so occasionally we'll see a a five-year-old and an eight-year-old that are attached to a 14-year-old sibling. So it does vary. Okay. And, you know, with international adoption now, which is not the same thing, I realize, we tell people that for the most part, your child will have some form of special need. If if, mm-hmm. if only having experienced trauma had been raised in a orphanage for older kids, but also other medical special needs. Are special needs the the norm for kids who participate in the hosting program? And if so, what are some of the special needs you commonly see? Well, you're, you know, the most common are going to be, you know, developmental delays, learning, you know, disabilities, you know, those kinds of things. You know, we do bring some children over that, that do have some medical needs, but they have to be very easily managed, uh, like HIV, you know, where it's pretty straightforward, the meds that they're taking. You know, they do screen the children, you know, to make sure, that, number one, it's the right thing for the child and, you know, that it, it can easily be managed. Mm-hmm. Okay. So less medical special needs in, in hosting programs and more of the issues that are associated with having been institutionalized or the trauma uh, of mm-hmm. children having been whatever yeah. it is that place them in state care. Okay. Uh-huh. All right. You know, what I think what a lot of people wonder is it, what are the children told before they come? Are they aware that they are for lack of a better word, on trial to be adopted? You know, the whole idea is... You know what? They're, they're, the countries are pretty strict. They do not want uh, you know, these children to be told that this is a possibility for an adoption. That just is, you know, adds a horrible amount of pressure. You know, this is just a vacation. You know, that's what they're told. This is a learning opportunity to experience life in another country. And that's what they're told. You know, families are asked, please not discuss adoption with them. You know, we don't want to get them assuming they're going to be adopted when maybe it's not going to work out. That's devastating. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're very careful, you know, about preparing the families to to not go there, even if they know from day one that that is a child meant to be theirs, you know, to please not discuss it at that point. And so, you know, that's, we hope that, you know, we know, we realize that the older kids are pretty smart and they've already seen this happen with some of their friends that have been hosted and, you know, they're adopted. And so they make assumptions, but, you know, we really like for the families to not discuss that a lot with their, with the kids at all, really. Okay. We talked some just a moment ago about that. The expectation is that the child that's placed in your home in a child hosting program has experienced a number of different traumas in their life. Being raised in an institution is traumatic and being removed from their birth family or however that happened. And then also whatever took place 
that force them to into state care is generally a traumatic event. So mm-hmm. trauma is something that these kids have experienced. What are some of the typical behaviors that a host family might see in the short term? Now, this is obviously these kids are here for the most part, no more than seven to eight weeks at the max. So mm-hmm. you're not going to see the full range because you're not going to have them that long. But what are some mm-hmm. typical behaviors that families should be prepared for in the short term? Well, I I think most of the kids, you know, for the first week or so are really shy. I mean, this is such a huge change for them and it's, it's really pretty much overload, you know, so a lot of them are shy. That's really what we see most with, with the children, you know, the differences, you know, they behave differently. I mean, some children are, you know, really very active and, you know, families need to be prepared that they handle, you know, stress and, and, you know, it's so different for every child. So, you know, that once they settle in, they seem to do well. Uh, the one thing with these programs is there's there's always a, a, we call them a chaperone that comes over with the child. So there is from their country here in the U.S. that are available all the time by phone, by WhatsApp, so that if there is anything, you know, that, that there's just a misunderstanding or the child is really, you know, displaying some behaviors that are just not you know, not common, then that is is a resource that they the family should go to first, so that you know they can explain what's happening, and then and then the chaperone can talk with the child and find out what's going on, and help there. So and that does happen. I mean, children are, are confused easily with this, and and it's good to have that resource. And of course, you know, the aid is always available as well. You know, one question I, I think that most people wonder is, so generally speaking, the fa- the host family is not going to speak the same language of the child. How big are language issues and what can families do to, to prepare? I would assume the chaperone would be available to help interpret, but not 24-7. Yes, that's true. You know, of course, Google has been a godsend, <laughs> I mean, with, with yes. some of these languages, you know. Spanish, of course, is more common. You know, a lot of people speak, you know, Spanish, but they just kind of get by. I mean, it's certainly a wonderful thing if the host family speaks the language, but that's not always the case. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they they just, you know, kind of get by using, you know, the your cell phones and, and everything else. So uh, it used to be dictionaries. Now it's, it's it's a lot more, it's a lot easier. There's just a lot of programs on phones that, that help with that. Yeah, thank goodness, right? Yeah. <laughs> but that... The hosting organization always has resources for, you know, translations and, you know, when needed, et cetera. That's a question I think that people should ask when choosing a hosting program is what type of support will be given in general, but uh, in specific, what type of language support is going to be provided. Mm -hmm. Okay. Have you enjoyed what you've been hearing today? We are so excited to offer you more expert-based content just like today's podcast. Thanks to our partners, the Jockey Bean Family Foundation. The website to get these free courses is bit.ly slash JBF support. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash JBF support. And you can find several free online courses. There's a great variety of topics to choose from. One that you might like is seven core issues in adoption and foster care. Again, go to the website bit.ly slash JBF support. Thanks, Jockey. How much information is the host family given on the child before they say yes, they're they're willing to open up their home to host this child? 
Well, you know, what they see on the on the page from, you know, the hosting organization is basic information. They do get, you know, a little bit more detailed information on the child's history and, of course, a lot more information on, on their if they have any special needs and what those are and how they're managed, et cetera. But it does really depend program by program, you know, how much is available. And you may not have the full amount. You may not. Mm-hmm. Another question to ask the agency is, you do want your agency to share any information that they have. And that's another good question to ask. Mm-hmm. Yes. Is a home study where our audience is familiar with the typical uh, adoption or foster home study, is a home study required for a host family? No, it, it isn't. Uh, however, there is a small, short version of a home study we call the Home Safety Report that is required. It's it's basically, I know for Columbia, it's like a 30-question form that, that a social worker fills out. I think it's similar for the other programs. It's just basic information about the family. There will be some criminal background checks, of course, to make sure that that's all in line. But it is a very, very short, short, short home study. It's It's not nearly as detailed. Okay. Do most of your host families have children already in the home? Not all of them. I mean, some do. I, probably most of them do, maybe two-thirds and another third don't. Okay, that's interesting. So if you do have children in your home, how should you prepare the children already in the home to welcome a child for you know, anywhere from four to eight weeks? I think that, of course, you no, know, it depends on the age of your child, uh, you know, but, you know, they do need to, you know, say where they're bringing a child to you know, so they can experience, you know, life in the U.S. and it's kind of an ex- more of an exchange student, you know, type of a thing. Maybe, you know, you know, if they're older, you know, and understand, you know, that maybe adoptions shouldn't be discussed with them, et cetera. You know, you don't really want an older child to say, hey, we're checking you out for an adoption. That would be awful. But uh, so it just depends on the age of your of your child that's in the home. Do you recommend that parents share with their children that are in the home, if their child is being hosted with the thought that they might adopt? I think that maybe later, maybe once the child is there and, and, uh, you know, of course this is just, it so much depends on the the family dynamic and the age of the children and et cetera, et cetera. But uh, that's kind of left up to the family. However, you know, we do every, everything we can to protect that child. You know, we don't want them to assume that they're being adopted. That's just the worst, and especially if it doesn't happen. So, you know, there does there does need to have some, you know, safeguards so that, you know, we can prevent that. And it's not always going to happen. I mean, there are <laughs> lots of situations where the kids just assume they're being adopted, and and uh, you know, that's that's kind of you know hard to work around a little bit. But but they have. A good psychologist, you know, in the orphanages and when they're back home, you know, they do a lot of debriefing and, you know, helping them, you know, come to terms with, you know, you're back in your country. It's a great experience and, and, you know, life goes on. You know, most of these situations, the children aren't even told. The family may know immediately when they have the child in their home, they're going to adopt them. But the children are not told that until uh, they go through the dossier, it's accepted in the country, and there's actually a, a referral that's accepted. Then they tell the child, guess what? The Jones family is going to be your mom and dad. I mean, that's, you know, that's how it's done. They just do everything they can because anything can happen during this process so that the child won't 
have all these expectations that could be dashed, which would be a devastation. Mm-hmm. You're, you're talking about the, uh, and one of the questions I wanted to ask is what is the typical process if you decide to adopt this child? I think a lot of families don't understand that at the end of the hosting program, even if you decide to adopt, the child goes back to their home country and then the adoption process begins. So can you talk That's a little correct. about the process, the, the typical process and how long it might take? Well, I want to mention Ukraine first because that is a big unknown. I mean, the child may or may not be adoptable. And if they are, it can take a great deal of time. So that's that's something to consider with Ukraine. I mean, not all children are adoptable. And it is a long process if they are. With Colombia, it is, it's much more known. What families, because all the, ch- all the children that come for hosting from Colombia are completely adoptable. So that's, you know, that's one dif- big difference. If a family that's, let's just use Colombia as an example, if they've hosted a child from Colombia, they feel like this is, uh, you know, they want to move forward. They have a month after the child returns back to Colombia to submit a letter of intent. And the government, you know, accepts those, reviews them, and they have a, then they have a number of months to get their dossier together. It more or less reserves that child for them. And, you know, the dossier is, uh, it varies. It just varies a lot. I mean, usually, I mean, it's taking about eight months now, you know, that includes the USCIS approval, which is taking way too long. And then they can submit the, you know, we submit the, the dossier to the country, you know, they review it, then there's a referral made, and then there's another three months, you know, before they can bring the child home. And that's all purely the U.S. government that's taking their time to approve the child to come. Really, 10 months after the child leaves is, is pretty, I'd say, an average, but maybe an optimistic average <laughs> here and now. So much depends on the timing, you know, with USCIS. Right now, it's been very slow. And so right now, I'm saying 10 to 11 months after your child goes back, you'll be able to go pick them up, which is, it seems like a very long time, unfortunately. Yeah, especially in the life of a child. Exactly. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And really, children both in the, who are already in the host family's home, as well as the child who is uh, has been hosted and will, is right. going to be adopted. Both right. It's long uh-huh. from both ends, right? If you have enjoyed this or really any other creatingafamily.org podcast over the years, can you please do us a big favor? Go to this website ratethispodcast.com slash creatingafamily and leave us a rating and a review if you're feeling generous. It's a simple way to help us reach others who can also benefit from the resources we provide. Again, the website is ratethispodcast.com slash creatingafamily. Thanks. Disciplining a host child seems like it could be a, uh, a sticky wicket. Yes. Not knowing this child, they're in your home. You have to have certain expectations. But what do you what do you tell host families as far as how to approach disciplining a host child that's living in their home. Well, corporal punishment is absolutely prohibited, not at all accepted. And as I mentioned before, you know, the chaperones are there to help if there's a problem with discipline. You know, they step in, they explain to the child what's going on and and talk with the family and, and they kind of come up with an appropriate, you know, system so that the child knows that they're out of line. But it, you know, that it really has to be tailored to the child. But there, 
you know, we encourage families to reach out, you know, to the hosting organization and the chaperone and, of course, Children's House as well, you know, if it is an issue and we'll come up with a solution. Okay. Well, that's a, a great segue into what type of support should you expect from your hosting agency? We mentioned language support, somebody who, or they can connect you to someone who speaks the language for the child. And you just mentioned support for if there are problems that you should be able to call the adoption agency or the hosting agency and, and have somebody to talk to and help brainstorm with you ways to handle it. So those are two things. Right. What other type of support should you expect? You know, of course, with the chaperone, that's that's the you know going to be your your twenty four hour support. You know, when the child come, they have access to that chaperone's. You know, usually it's WhatsApp, you know, a phone app, so that they can contact them anytime. The chaperone, keep in mind, is likely not going to be in your town, your city. That's right. Uh huh. Yeah. But they're okay. going to be okay. available. Uh huh. Now, now that you brought that up, I want to I want to kind of mention with Columbia. The Colombian government requires that the chaperone stay with the host family no more than two nights during the stay. And they do that, you know, to, to observe the family, see, you know, if there's any issues. It just kind of helps them, you know, get a good feel for, you know, the, the child and where they are and, and, and all of that. And so that's, that's a, a good thing. Uh, the family also meets the chaperone at some point, and that I think it makes it easier for them to talk to the chaperone if there is a problem. So, you know, that's that's part of just that program. That doesn't happen with the others, though. So that you would have to, but all programs send a chaperone with the child or with the children. Right, and they are available. I know they're available 24-7. So, you know, that the number is definitely something that, that the family should have, you know, when that child enters their care, they should have a 24-7 number, you know, for that chaperone or whatever they're called. Also the hosting agency and, you know, Children's House, of course. And hopefully your agency, another form of support is mm-hmm. that they've provided some training for you to understand how behaviors that you could expect. Also to understand just the, what's happening, what type of typical emotional responses. So hopefully your agency right. has has done something to help prepare you in advance. I mean, Columbia requires it, but others don't. Yes. Well, besides the Hague package, there's just a wealth of information, you know, on, on your site, you know, for these children in general, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and, you know, we just encourage families to just dive into that and, and as much education as they can take, it's just invaluable. Yeah. And that's creatingafamily.org. So yeah, we do have a lot of information directly aimed for parents, parenting kids who have been adopted or fostered, regardless of whether they're coming into your house as a host child or an adopted child or a foster child. All right. What are some tips for advocating? And again, just to remind everybody, advocating means that your expectation either because you've decided the child is not a good fit, or you you started the whole hosting thinking, I, we are not an adoptive family, but we can bring this child in and advocate, which basically means uh, try to find another family that is able to adopt this child. So what are some tips? What do you mean by, what are ways, not what do you mean, but what are ways that people have been successful in advocating for a child? Oh, just it really everything, you know, neighbors, church, schools, just, you know, your friends, just your social media, just, you know, having pool parties or whatever, inviting 
potential families that might be interested. I mean, just word of mouth, really, you know, every avenue that you, you know, the family can think of, you know, that's, that's just how they do it. Mm-hmm. Getting the child. I mean, one of the tips is making sure you're, as you mentioned, doing things with the child that exposes them to other families and lets other families yes. get to know this child. Having them come and meet the child. That's mm-hmm. exactly right. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How successful, what is a success? If success is defined by a child finding a permanent home in the United States, what is the success rate? Let's talk Colombia because with Ukraine, it's, well, we'll talk both. And we're and again, yeah. we're speaking of these two countries only because right now they are the two countries that have hosting programs that, that we know of. Mm-hmm. Other countries, this will be similar to other countries because other countries, both in the future and certainly in the past, have, have been open to, to, to hosting. So what's the success rate, let's start with Colombia, of, of children being adopted? It's about 70%, you know, give or take 10. Of course, it's not an exact science, but definitely more than half, which is wonderful. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. What about Ukraine? I'm not sure with Ukraine because so many of the children are not available. That's, you know, that's the big issue. I think that a good many of them that are, you know, are, you know, advocated for and and adopted. But that would be a hard one to pin. I'm not sure. And it, it's actually not, and it may not be the, I said, you know, how do we rate success? How How is success defined? For Ukraine, success might not be defined as ultimately this child finding a permanent home in the uh-huh. U.S. Mm-hmm. That's right. The kid's That's not available. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if a family is, it, it does decide to adopt, then all the costs associated with an international adoption, uh, then uh, you, you don't save any money having been a uh, host family first. Is that correct? No, not really. I mean, there may be some savings with the home study. If you've had your home safety report through a, a Hague accredited agency that, you know, can then do your home study, they, there may be some, you know, some little bit of credit there because they've already been to your home and visited with you. But that would really be it. Okay. You've heard me say it before, guys, but this show would not happen without the generous support of our partners. And these are agencies who support us and support our mission, and they do it in a tangible way. One such partner is Children's House International. They are a Hague-accredited international adoption agency currently placing kids from 14 countries with families throughout the U.S. Children's House also provides consulting for international surrogacy. Thanks, Children's House. But what are some of the, why do people host? What are some of the benefits? Well, first of all, they may host because they have a love and a caring for children and they're doing and they're doing it to be a, uh, a resource for a child. But what are some of the benefits to the host family themselves for hosting? Well, there's several. And, you know, with, with older children, I mean, these are children that it, it's, it's difficult to, to find families that will adopt a 14-year-old usually. Mm-hmm. But if, if the family can meet the child and see this is a great kid, you know, that's, that's really the why you know, are open to hosting because it's a great way to find families. But it's a great way for families also because they can see if the child is a good fit with their family. Mm-hmm. You know, that's important, too, especially with these older kids. You know, how you know, how do the other kids in the home feel about this child? You know, what you know, what what might it look like? And you can kind of see that 
you can get a really good taste of it, you know, within those weeks that the child's in your home. It may be just absolutely no way, uh, but it may be, gosh, this kid fits in so well. He's just, you know, like one of ours. So also, you know, if another benefit is, is if you've hosted a child and, and you want to do, you do want to move on to a, an adoption, you're so much better prepared. You know what, you know, this child, you know what their special needs are, you know what their educational needs are, you know, going to be. There's just so much, you know, that you do know about the child already so that you can really be prepared when they do come home. Mm-hmm. I would also think that uh, from a cultural exchange type standpoint, it's beneficial to the host family, even if they're not planning on adopting, mm-hmm. being able to show off our country as well as learn about the country that the child came from. That's an That's enjoyable thing for many families. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Yes. Yeah. So anything, any parting words you want to share on for families for getting prepared for being a for being in a hosting program? Of course, education is a big, you know, key. You may want to talk with other families, just, you know, learn about the culture. You know, that's an important thing also. You know, there's just a lot of things that you can do to prepare. And, uh, you know, the the one important thing is to be flexible. You know, you're going to, that'll come in handy, <laughs> you know, when the child comes, yeah. because it, it isn't easy. You know, it's, it does require, you know, a bit of, a, a lot of flexibility and, and, and that, but the rewards are just unbelievable. I mean, they really are. You know, that's that's the main thing. Ditch your preconceived ideas because chances are good that uh, it won't. That this child will not uh, behave in exactly the way or, or respond in exactly the right. way you're expecting. So, right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Be flexible. Be open. Be open to the uh-huh. unknown. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, thank you, Kathy Holiday, for being with us today to talk about getting prepared to be a host family. I truly appreciate it. And to everyone else, join us next week. We can't wait to see you then. 